Hello and welcome to Midlife Opportunity, the show where you can take your opportunity despite being a little bit older. So what if you're a little bit older? My name is Dr. Connor Hogan. You can get in touch with me at docconnor.com. That's D-O-C-C-O-N-O-R.com. We also have a lot going on in this show with regard to opportunities that you can take. So why would you get in touch? You'd get in touch because I will help you. I will support you. I will stand beside you as you try to attempt any huge thing or any small thing. And it's interesting that we talk about that size today because we actually have a guest today and his name is Benjamin Smith. And that sounds like a pretty common name, but this guy is extraordinary. He is a totally different Benjamin Smith than anyone you've ever actually come across before because he has a huge story to tell, but it's also very small. That's all I'm going to say for now. Because one of the things that you can definitely glean from this story is the fact that we need to exercise. We need to exercise as middle-aged men. I'm afraid it doesn't change, you know, just because you're 20 years of age and suddenly you do a lot of exercise, you're an athlete, and suddenly you become 25, five years are gone out of your life. And it's like, ah, it's cool, you know, I can go in and out of relationships, I can um, have alcohol, I can party. I can go here, go there. I can stay up all night if I want to do that. I can still get up for work in the morning. 30, like that's old man stuff. 40, that's gone. So you can do all these things when you're younger. Then when you get a little bit older, you think, gosh, what's going on? Spotted myself in the mirror and it's a little bit larger than usual. My gut, my stomach, my arms are perhaps changing shape. Atrophying is the word for muscular degeneration. Why? Because you're not using it. And let's face it, if we look at the modern world right now, and not just in the last couple of years, we have problems with regard to people being obese and people being lazy, physically lazy. I'm not talking about people mentally not being up for a challenge. Like we have many, many people who are unfortunately or to their own delight sitting at home now, even lying on beds or furniture, sofas, watching TV in the background, and yet working at a computer because that's what their bosses, that's what their education, that's what demands them to do in the workforce these days. We are in a very data-driven era. But even prior to that, when you were growing up, we weren't digging holes all of the time. We weren't uh, lifting rocks and running for miles and miles like Marathon. Uh, back in the day where the whole Marathon phenomenon came out of where a man had to run to raise an alarm 26.4 miles or so. And that's why they call it a marathon. We're, we don't have to do all those extreme things. We don't have to do them, but we should do something with our bodies, especially because we're getting older. Cellularly, we are decreasing our ability to be able to have strength, have speed, have flexibility, and so on. And so all of these things combined make us have either a better middle age to old age, or well, we decrease rapidly. And that's where this ease comes in because many of the diseases and conditions of the world what do they come from they come from lifestyle issues they come from diet they come from the fact that we don't eat properly they come from the fact that perhaps we order in instead of walking outside like think of that with regard to just exercise and simple exercise walking for a few hundred yards to be able to go to the shop or store get fresh food and produce and to be able to come home and again exercise around the dinner table with regard to walking around, with regard to standing up and cooking 
And now we just get things delivered to our door. So all of these generational things have shifted. We're not exercising. We're not doing things properly. But our guest today, who is a man with huge strengths, but also who has had huge challenges, is Benjamin Smith. And he's going to tell us all about it soon. But remember, if you want to get in touch, get in touch with midlifeopportunity.show or you can reach out to me directly at Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at DocConnor.com. You can also just go on to N-G-B-N dot, well, dot com, all the dots that are there, and you'll see all the great particular producers of and creators of shows that we have, especially for your personal development as a middle-aged, middle-aged man. So take the opportunity, come back right after this. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I was just gonna drive home. Uh, uh, Ah, there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. (laughs) Selfies, nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. Welcome back to Midlife Opportunity, the show where you can take your opportunity, big or small, to change your life, to do whatever you wish because you have experience, you have awareness, you have this great wisdom from your youth and you still have that energy, believe it or not. It's just trapped. You need to get it out of you. But you need to get it out accurately because before the break, I said that a great website of our great friends, our great colleagues here on the NGBN Personal Development network for men was ngbn.com but it's actually .tv because this is tv so ngbn.tv you can get in touch with us or me at connor at dotconnor.com also midlifeopportunity.show and the man that corrected me is here the man that corrected me just as we were warming up for this show and in break there was this fantastic guest we have and this is benjamin smith so benjamin how are you good man how are you i'm so happy to talk to you uh, the pleasure is all mine for sure. But you're, you're coming in not from the U.S. Where are you coming in from? Well, my wife and I have been in Mexico for a few weeks. So, yeah. So we're in Mexico. <laughs> not so bad. I don't see any sombrero on you. Though. <laughs> I'm, I'm darker than normal, though. Trust me. All right. So before we get into it, because I know you're a recent author as well. I'm really looking forward to hearing about that and also your past and the things that we introduced at the beginning of the show with regard to exercise and all your link with that and everything that you're doing as well in the coaching world. So I'm really looking forward to it. Before we do, let's have a bit of fun. It's about a minute, I call it the midlife minute. So seeing as you're alive and it's midlife and you corrected me earlier on, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Number one is, so yeah, dot, 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 dot com was my little mistake earlier on. However, you're in Mexico. What is the domain name in Mexico? So if it's dot com, usually in the States, what is it in Mexico? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> Google it. That's all I can say. Google it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what is it in where I am in Ireland? Dot what? Uh, it, I, I'm not sure. Also, is there going to be math questions on this? <laughs> oh, you want math? I'll give you math. No, 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 no. So uh, what is nine times nine? 
Oh, man. Uh, I got to go out here, my mom calling. Well, you know what? You spent the last minute laughing, so that's a good start. So we'll get into it. <laughs> so an easier question then. You're on holiday, which is good, and you deserve it because you just recently written a book. So tell us all about that. Yeah, well, I didn't recently write the book, but I recently published it. Um, I wrote the book over 10 years ago. Um, you know, this is, it's really, this this book is about, it's all about, honestly, what I do with the Glass Foundation is I give hope to people. I give hope to people that they can go on, they can achieve whatever they want. And this book is my journey to understanding how no matter what the obstacle, no matter what the, the how many failures or how many times you fall, you can pick yourself up and you can learn and you can move on and you can experience the life that you want. So this book is really... I wrote this for book for myself, but I feel that it is it is a very very um, good book for anybody who wants to understand, um, you know, the power of hope, the power of believing in themselves, and the power of recreating themselves at any yeah. point. And it's interesting that you said like that you wrote the book for yourself, but also probably with the hint that out there there's others that need this, and so with that in mind. And the book has been you know, written over so many years and that obviously your past has a huge link with this book and also with your story and what you're doing today. So illuminate on that. What is it that kind of, say, motivated you for the book in the first place? Well, I knew that my story was dramatic. I knew that it was dramatic. I mean, being 24 years old, going to pick up my daughter after a brutal year-long custody battle, after being admitted to the hospital for a suicide attempt, homeless, my whole place broken into, and my daughter is gone. She disappeared. I didn't know where she lived. And and then having to kind of deal with all this this past residue, this, uh, this uh, what do you call it, the trauma of, like, of, of my youth, of getting beat up all the time, racial discrimination in my own home, neglect. So all these things, I knew I had a story. I knew I had a story overcoming addiction, being a cocaine dealer, being having to overcome this addiction of, to violence because I was I was shaped by racism and violence. I'm not I wasn't shaped, but I was I was a large part of who I am is formed by the violence and the racial racial um, discrimination and and bullying. So here you are. You're obviously successful. You're you can speak clearly. You don't have any kind of. Uh, it seems residue of regret or kind of spitefulness in what you're saying there. And it's obviously very personal, the book, your story, your life. So like, tell us like dig deeper then, what, like you, you mentioned racism twice. I know that you were like one type of race in the many, the sea of white when you were very, very small, but tell us all about the beginning of all of this, for example. Well, I'm adopted. I'm adopted from Seattle. So my parents are, my, my family is Caucasian. So we moved from Seattle. Um, so I have an adopted older brother and an adopted younger sister. We're all from different families. And my brother is Italian um, and black, but he looks very Italian, except he's dark skinned. And in the 70s, I mean, I'm born in 1971. My brother was born in 1969. And there was a lot of racism still then. I mean, we left Seattle because my parents had a cross burning on their lawn and they got scared. Um, so so we left Seattle because, again, white parents with, with a black kid was not a cool thing to do in the 70, in the early 70s. So a cross burning on the lawn, we went back to Vancouver where my dad is from. And my brother, no understanding that the 70s, it was, it was still not cool to be black at that time. Yeah. And because he was so dark-skinned, 
but he had all the features of an Italian, straight hair, Italian nose, everything else. He said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight the fact that Ben is, is obviously black, except that he's light skinned and I'm going to diffuse it off of me onto him. So my brother was, was the worst. And because he did it, then everybody did it. So I was constantly in my home, at school, people were calling me the N word. And, uh, and then my parents divorced when I was in grade three. So my brother and I moved with my dad into a, a really, really dilapidated, almost uninhabitable little shack of a home where my dad wasn't really around very much. So, so my brother, being an angry, very, very vicious kid, using the N-word all the time, our, our home became um, a gathering place for all these tough kids in this, east, this real tough East Vancouver neighborhood. And basically, there, I mean, the racism was just so extreme because my brother did it. There's nobody, there's no adult figures to stop it. And then with it came the beatings and the, you know, just fighting all the time. So these things shaped me so much. And uh, I forget the original question, but I think it was... Yeah, but how did you then, when, when this is happening, like, as you say, the N-word and it's constant. And like nowadays, look, there's racism all of the time everywhere. Right. And oddly enough, in the most educated communities and places, we still have it, which is absolutely crazy. But nowadays, children or young people, they often they have it on the screen. And it's like it, it's carried with them. It's, you know, they go to bed at night to check their email or their social media. And there's some kind of um, thing that's there, you know, a comment or something with regard to uh, their race or whatever else. But like so you really the difference is, though, there's helplines there right now, and thankfully. And it's happening, right? So we are aware of it. Like even middle-aged men, we're aware of it right now. So what is it that like back in the day when it was happening to you, it was in your house. It was like literally, you couldn't get away from it. Exactly. So, but the only thing is you were isolated as well. And so far as that, that, this wasn't happening to others in your, in your community, in your area. So like, how did you feel isolated? Like, how did you, like you just say twice there, how you, you've been shaped, but like, how did you make that decision to be shaped or how did you react to it? Like, I, I mean, being very young, it must have been hugely difficult at the time. Well, I mean, the, the, the reality is I, I was, I struggled in so many different ways. I mean, I'm a, I'm what, I, I'm what is labeled a high risk kid. I mean, I was, I was kicked out of all my schools. I was I spent time in detentions back again, the set in the seventies and early eighties, I was put in a, a janitor's cloakroom and they left me there because I was just too much trouble to bother with. So I was left in a janitor's cloakroom before they kicked me out of the school, and I got kicked to another school, and I got kicked out again, and then I was arrested, and I was arrested again, and and so I was a labeled a troubled kid. But you know, at the at my lowest point as a kid, as a 15 year old kid, after being arrested two days after finishing my or or sorry, fin yeah, I finished my community hours for stealing a purse on a Friday afternoon, and then I was arrested again on Sunday. So less than 48 hours later for breaking into a pub and I was taken to the, I was taken in handcuffs to a police station. I'm only 15 years old. And, uh, and I was told that I was, I was not going to make it. I'd be dead or in jail by the time I was 20. And it was, it was just something about that. It was something about that. It's just like, everybody thinks I'm a failure. Everybody thinks I'm, I'm not going to make it. Everybody thinks I'm less than other people because you know, you only, I'm going to use the N word because I, this is who I am. Like I'm a descendant of slaves. I have to be more than this, and uh, and again, not, nothing else in my experience was let me believe I could be more than this until 
Um, I got kicked out of my alternative school again on the on the around the same time I was arrested again, and and I I was home and my older brother brought home a muscle magazine and the minute I looked at that muscle magazine I knew this is where I could prove that I'm a worthy human being. I know I know for sure. I don't need I don't need coaches. I don't need anybody support. All I need is my willpower and a pair of weights, a, a, an inanimate pair of weights and with that I can prove to the world that I mean something and I matter and that's what I did and I lifted my life my myself out of that hole eventually I felt again you know when my daughter was taking this map because I hadn't built the foundation of, of self-assurance to, to withstand the storms of life but at that particular moment when I was 15 it's like I found a sense of hope and I grasped that hope with with one arm, with one hand, and I was I was like, I'm not letting go of this thing. And this, and it carried me through five years. I graduated on time. I became a bodybuilding, a, a, like an up-and-coming bodybuilder. You know, I was gonna get sponsored by a clothing line. Um, all these different things were happening. I was I had my first part in a movie when I was 20. Like so all these great things were happening. Um, but again, I didn't I didn't have a foundation of self-assurance and inner strength to withstand the storms of life so that I fell again, right? And which brings us to the book. And and all the experiences that I had to go through in life to learn, to learn that, that you know, all these struggles, they're your greatest opportunities. I mean, you talk about midlife opportunity. My book is riddled with failures that led me to opportunities. The Goliath Foundation is the opportunity that came out of this little kid who nobody gave a chance to, who made it and now understands how to be happy, how to uplift yourself, how to inspire others. And that's what I do. So around the ages of 24, so that's like a brilliant summary of your upbringing and that. But you started having success in various areas of life. Like, I mean, how many people actually get a part in a movie at all? No mind at 20 years of age, no mind five years after being told you know, their life was, you know, they wouldn't make it. And so that was rapid, what you did really in five years, a rapid rise. But what is it then that you said that you didn't have the foundation and, and these challenges? What are the challenges that came about perhaps even later in your 20s and, and onward towards your 40s and that? Like, what was it and the storms that came? Like, and how did you, without a foundation, then challenge, you know, meet these challenges as such? Well, I had a lot of challenges and I had a lot of failure and I had a lot of success. I mean, success as an athlete, as a boxer, um, all these different things. I was, you know, an actor. I was, I was a working actor. And so I had, I had successes, but again, I hadn't built a foundation of self-assurance to understand that these are just cool things to do in life, but they can't define you can't be defined by the things that you do, the trophies on your mantle, the packs on the back. Those cannot define you because they're so fleeting. I had to have a breakdown. I had to be brought to my knees again at the age of 39, almost 40, and just basically dropped to my knees. And and what, say, happened you know what happened then, Ben? What happened at that age? Well, I just, I, I just, again, I hadn't really dealt with my pack. I hadn't really dealt with the fact that, you know, my mom... My mom passed away when I was 24, and the last thing I, I, I said to her before she went into a coma was that I, I wish she would F off and die, you know? I mean, because, because I felt like, like she, hadn't, she hadn't done anything to, 
to help me. And my mom, my daughter was out there. I didn't know where she was, where she lived. She'd been taken away from me. I, I was broken down in every possible way again because I hadn't had that foundation. So I, I had all this trauma. I had all this trauma, the violence. I mean, I wasn't working in bars before. I started working as a bouncer when I was 17 years old. And I have all this this residue of violence, so much violence in my life that I hadn't really dealt with until I was 39, almost 40. And I basically was coaching boxing. I was a, I was a boxing coach at that point. I was coaching boxing. And for whatever reason, all the testosterone had built up. I was working construction and coaching boxing. And it just hit me. I was at a tournament. I was a, a ferry right away at a tournament. And I had a breakdown. I had a mental breakdown. And I basically just started crying. And I took a ferry home. I didn't talk to anybody. I took a ferry home. And I basically cried for, I, I don't know exactly how long it was, but it was probably a couple of weeks. It might have been a month. I basically just cried my eyes out. I, I did what I had to do. I was working still construction at that point. I'd go into a Jiffy John. Like when I could feel myself break down, I would just cry when nobody would see. And then I'll go home and I'll sit on a log because I live on the beach. And I would just yeah. cry and cry and cry. And I just found forgiveness. And like I, I just said, why? Why me? Why why was so that hard that, for that me? point then, similar to the earlier point in your life when you were told that you wouldn't make it, mm -hmm. that point something else that triggered you to elevate? What happened next? And bring us towards the book and the foundation then. <laughs> well, basically, I said, I, I cried my eyes out and I forgave. You know, my mom did the best that she could. Everybody did the best they could. All the people that beat on me, they made me this guy. They made me this tough guy. I have all this experience and all this wisdom because of it. I said, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm only going to be happy. From now on, when I wake up, Life isn't going to be, life isn't that long. From now on, if I'm not happy, I'm doing something about it. I'm going to change my thoughts. I'm going to change my viewpoint. I'm going to change how I'm talking about things, looking about things. And I'm always doing one more moment on, on the path if it doesn't uplift me. And that's what I did. And then just like that, boom, I was like, oh, this is the secret to my life. And I, I basically, right after that, I had the opportunity to open up another personal training studio because we had a gym before that. And I started training clients and I started to, um do what i like live this 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 as this guy like just happy it's like i have a choice to be happy and where did the and goliath foundation come in then well i had the goliath foundation before because i was i had been working in the school board um i had an after school boxing program i had an anti-bullying program i had all these things but again i was somewhat grounded but not grounded enough to withstand the storms of my past that i hadn't dealt with mm. so um so the Goliath Foundation was already in existence, but once I had my breakdown and I just shed myself of all that 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 past trauma, and I just said, you know what, I'm going forward. I'm not wasting any more of my life on being happy, unhappy. Then all of a sudden, it's like ah, the book came out of that. Um, the the foundation is like oh, I got this foundation that I've been working with. Now let's like really see what we can do to impact lives. So you had all of these like issues and eventually at 3940, you found this happiness. So you mentioned about the Goliath Foundation, all the great work that you've done, which is fantastic. You can check it out, by the way, at Goliath Foundation, the Goliath Foundation.com, of course. Yeah, I can't make another mistake, can I? I was so much, you know, in concentration with the dot com, you know, doing everything correct there. But the Goliath, the Goliath foundation.com what's your advice finally then 
for middle-aged men right now because perhaps this one's looking here and they're checking out well how can i learn from this guy's wisdom so what would advice would you give my my advice to to anybody but particular to midlife men is like dude you've lived so much life you've had you've had all these great things in your life and you've got so much life ahead of you don't waste time on things don't look at things in bad ways find ways to look at cherish all of it cherish the cherish the past cherish the falls cherish the times you got up cherish the knowledge you got from it cherish the strength you gained and use that to move forward and look on every day with that perspective of you know what life is not that long i get the chance to make the best of it i'm here right now i've learned from my past let's move forward wow that's fantastic thank you so much for coming thank you for correcting me thank you for keeping me on the path and cherishing me Ben, it's been a fantastic uh, opportunity to interview you. So thank you so much. Guys, you can get in touch with Ben on the GoliathFoundation.com. And you can get in touch with us, any of us, in fact, on NGBN.TV. Also, this particular show is Midlife Opportunity. show. You can get in touch with me personally, and I would support you. And I can get you in touch with great guys like Ben who will support you too. So get in touch at Connor at DocConnor.com. Take your opportunity today, right now, take a break though, and have that opportunity in a few seconds time after these advertisements, well, where we'll revisit exactly what Ben was saying. Be right back after this. This is what too much sounds like. This is what stress feels like. And this is what help feels like. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, we can help. Text STRESS to 211211 to find a solution. Welcome back to Midlife Opportunity. Make sure you take the opportunity. There's only a couple of minutes left on this particular episode, but I'm available. So get in touch with me. This won't be happening all of the time. Get in touch with me at Connor at DocConnor.com. Be a person who wants to make a change for yourself because you cannot change all of the stuff around you, all of the things that right now you feel are dragging you down, that are putting pushing you back. They're keeping you in the status quo, going around in circles, whether it's your love life, whether it's your business life or job or issues with money or the fact that like just aspects of life, like things that Ben, our great guest, touched on from the GoliathFoundation.com, that maybe, you know, you're just stuck. So reach out. Get in touch with me at Connor at DocConnor.com. You can check out other episodes of this show. They will definitely put you on the right track. And that's at midlifeopportunity.show. And there's also some fantastic creators on the network, the ngbn.tv network. Now, the GoliathFoundation.com's author and creator is, of course, Benjamin Smith. We've just heard from him there. And there's some fantastic lessons from his... I mean, all I was thinking was when he was saying it was like his life was up and it was down. It was waves, wasn't it? And so then when he hit 3940, that time, it was like a break happened for him. He just broke down. And for him, that was well, like, what's it all about? Because he had achieved so much, like at 20 years of age, 
he had gone into movies and five years earlier he was told he would never make it but that triggered him but that only triggered him to improve and to you know get into weightlifting and get into all of the fitness stuff that we touched on at the very start which is hugely important that only just lasted though for a few years because even though he coasted shall we say through his 20s and maybe 30s and experienced lots of things and had a lot of successes there was a, uh, that kind of stone in his boot as such at 24 because his daughter, as he mentioned a few times, he just couldn't find her. And there was a, that huge pull uh, that he wanted to find her and have that relationship, obviously, with her. And so the things, the scars of the past, uh, they dragged him back. And at 39, 40, that was it. He just, you know, he just broke down. But it was in that breakdown that he found happiness. And it's such a simple lesson today. To be happy, it really is. To be happy, find what it is that will make you happy. And here's the thing about our brains. Once we do it, we cannot be thinking about other things, other issues, problems with money, problems with relationships, problems with whoever, problems with whatever has been said in the past. If you're doing something and you're focusing on it, you are giving yourself that intentional consciousness to be able to improve, develop, and go forward, if only in the thing you're doing. Now, if it's something as boring, just in my opinion, as stamp collecting, so be it. But guess what? You can make a big collection. You can sell it and you get money for that. Or you can make relationships through that by collecting, by even just communicating with other people at parties or during times of socialization. Christmas, for example, right now when we're recording this around Christmas time, and so also in the new year, it, you can go out and you can meet people and you can tell them with your enthusiasm for stamp collecting something as boring that or anything that you choose to do. So it doesn't necessarily have to produce money straight away. It can be just something that lifts you away from the doom and gloom and from all the thought process that are dragging you back from the past. Today's the day to take that opportunity to be happy, like Ben just told us. TheGoliathFoundation.com, check him out and check us out on ngbn.tv or midlifeopportunity.show for past episodes and this one, as well as get in touch with me and I will lead you, my friend, as closely and as aligned as you can to your midlife opportunity. My name is Dr. Connor. You can get in touch at Connor at dotconnor.com. Until next time, take your midlife opportunity. And as we say here, salon and bye bye.